Hi, I'm Sharona Cohen, and I'm from Distance. And I'm panicked about this podcast. Nut. Howard, sir. How are you, man? I'm doing good. Good. Yeah. You tied one on last night, I'm seeing. The tequila. I, I measure all the, the levels in the tequila just to make sure these underage kids in here don't drink it. Because, you know. But I make up for it. I'm overaged. We're investors in Como's tequila, so there's a lot of loose tequila lying around, and all the levels are low. Was that you or was that the kid? That's me. So, uh, so are, you're not a tequila guy. What are Norwegians generally? No. They'll just drink anything? Seawater? That's the thing. They will drink anything. Yeah. That's the thing. I think I remember that. Yeah. Slushies. Whatever there is sitting in front of them, they'll drink it. And uh, yeah, so I've been gone a while. Have you noticed? Oh, you've been gone? <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, I've been on a whirlwind tour trying to see the future. And um, did people show up while I was gone? Was, did the office, uh, was anything going on here? Nothing. <laughs> Ethan, chief of staff, was anything going on here? <laughs> Not a whole lot. <laughs> quiet. So it was pretty quiet. Um, the voices in my head, though, are louder than ever. The um, I fell off my bike. That was probably the highlight for my enemies of this trip. I fell off, and there was uh, an Apple alert that was sent out to all my uh, to all my haters. And there was this this, this moment that people were like uh, really excited to uh, burst out with joy. But it was a minor injury. Is the bike okay? Yeah, that's what people tweeted. <laughs> So, sounds like you were, that might have just been you then, my one hater, that no, asked about the bike. No, 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 no. So, if you're going to have an accident, by the way, and fall off a bike, do it in Israel. There are a lot of medics. There's a lot of trained people to uh, deal with injuries uh, in uh, Israel. And, uh, and uh, we were, I, I thought we were in the middle of nowhere, but it is a small country. We were just outside Jerusalem. And I think I was doing, at tops, two miles an hour when I fell. So I don't know if it was an earthquake or a booby trap or it might have hit a mine, you know, because it's been a lot of <laughs> war in this country. Maybe it was a, a, a mine left by the Germans or, or the Japanese in World War II. And uh, all of a sudden I'm over. And, uh, you know, my first instinct was to call a lawyer, not a medic. And I thought I had a case against the tire manufacturer of the bike. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, I had been riding for like a week doing 40, 50 miles an hour down mountains in in uh, south of France, and then I fell over doing two miles an hour. It's kind of like being in a ski line and hitting your head and poking your eye out. So uh, It's a little uh, embarrassing. It, was, it wasn't it was that it was embarrassing. It just hurts oh, yeah, because I landed on uh, a rock that just kind of gashed me, and uh, that was the end of my uh, Jerusalem cycling trip. So sometimes I think the lesson here is uh, there was no need to go for that extra day. And uh, I'd already, I'm 58 <laughs> years old, and, and eight days in, well, in was enough. You've gotten a year older since I saw you? Oh, I'm almost 58. Oh, okay. By the way, I, I've decided on this trip that one big epiphany is I'm now going to start telling people I'm 65, because then you at least get a response that, hey, you look pretty good for 65, versus when I say my age, people just... Yeah, well, that's about what you should look like. You know, when we were like 30, Canute, and we would just, it seemed like if we were doing well, 
people go, oh, well, you've done a lot for your 30. But now that I'm 58, people expect me to have done things. So now I have to say I'm, I'm much older. I'm testing 70. People don't believe that. Yeah. I think I'll settle in at 65. And then people will say, you look fantastic, which is what I'm going for. So, good plan. Uh, but anyways, it's good to be back. South of France is fantastic. Have you been there? Oh, yeah. Many, many times. Oh, really? Love Southern France. Basically my first time since I did it with a backpack. And um, now I did it uh, five star. And I'll tell you what. It's pretty good five star. <laughs> the south of France is pretty damn good. You know what? The whole world's pretty good if you do it five star. So uh, do we have a guest today? We do. So while I was gone, you planned a guest? Yes. All right. And I asked, I said, I, just bring me female guests. Is that what I said before I left? Yeah. Okay. So we have a female guest. Do I have to guess? No, you'll, you'll find out. So, anyway, so we did a lot of cycling. So I said, you know what? You know, we're investors in this company, Distance. And we've had Nave, the cyclist, on. And I said, let's bring on the better half, the boss, the grand pooba of uh, distance, Sharona. And so we, we've got her on. She's pan- This is her first pod. Is that what she said? Yeah. Yeah, it's her first pod. So uh, I don't even know if Ethan should be in here for someone's first pod. <laughs> <laughs> How old are you? 20. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> We need to put you on, what is that when you're on Google and you do so, you go on incognito. You're on incognito pod for this, okay? So, so just you're on, you're on double secret probation for this pod. You need to introduce our second guest is in the studio today. Ooh, Lindsay is in the studio. My puppy is here. I haven't seen my puppy in a month. And she was very excited. Then she found I didn't have treats. And she's over it already. It was a very heartwarming one second uh, <laughs> lick. And then she moved on with their life. So, uh, and then you have good news. Your, your kids are moving and shaking. You have, a, you have someone moving to San Francisco. My oldest son just got an offer for a job, and he's probably going to take that and, and move to San Francisco in a month or two. And is he excited? He's very excited about it. So, uh, where is he right now? He is in Scottsdale. Um, well, good for him. So, ASU kids can get employed. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. It's not a lost generation. The, I'm sure this kid will be CEO pretty soon, just much like Ethan. Well, yeah, Ethan moved from uh, intern to CEO in two weeks. (laughs) So, uh, well, I'm excited to get back on the pod. I'm a little bit out of, uh, I've had a long, long month. Uh, I missed, uh, I missed you, Knut. Oh, thank you. I missed you too. It's been nice and quiet here though. That's on my notes. I still missed you. That's on my notes to say that. Right. (laughs) I wrote that down for you, didn't I? The, uh, I missed you, sweetie. And, um... (laughs) It's nice to uh, see that uh, you've rearranged it. You've taken all the good equipment from around the office and put it on this one desk in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so, so Sharona is a uh, co-founder with her husband of Distance. And as people know here, I love to bike. I like fashion. I like, uh, even though I don't look good in anything, I'm fascinated by um, culture, fashion, creativity, and... Um, you know, cycling's in this boom that every time I go do these wacky trips and, and invest a little bit of money in, in the hardware of it, I just get more and more entrenched. And, and the most interesting thing that I've noticed, and maybe the products just keep getting better, is the disc brakes. The fact that I can be doing close to 50 miles an hour and just touch, just light touch on the brake and feel that I have full control of the bike is really a comforting thing as an old person with uh, twitchy eyes and uh, poor reflexes. 
So um, the only change I've had to make in the last year is go to gravel, which is a wider tire. But wow, I mean, just you know, cool. It 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 was really a, a fun trip, and so I'm I'm more excited than ever about cycling now. Sharona really leads. Um, it's a small team at distance. Uh, we've been very lean getting this company launched, and so I want to walk through how we're how Sharona and her husband Neve, who's been on the show, are thinking about curation fashion, and uh, e-commerce and marketplace as we uh, get through 2023. And, you know, as you know, on this show, we've been talking about this LVMH kind of rich man, angry man, degenerate, and this falls under the uh, rich man category. So let's get Sharona on the pod. Sounds good. Sharona. Hi, how's it going? We're popping the pod. Yes, we're doing it. We're doing it. And we can do it in Hebrew if you want. Ah, uh, yes. Let's switch to Hebrew. Manishma. 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 I knew you were going to say Eze that. Eze yofi. <laughs> <Eifo hashiru> team. <laughs> That's all you need to know in Hebrew. Ani halakti lebeit sefer ivrit bishvil shmona shanim. Yeah. How old were you when you were in, uh, was it Hebrew school? What is it called? Jewish school? Yeah, I was four. So it was in Canada. I was raised in the socialist state of Canada. And when I was a kid back in the forties, we had, uh, we had the first Trudeau. It wasn't, it wasn't this whack job. It was the dad. Um, and we had to learn, I was in Jewish day school and I had to learn French, Yiddish, Hebrew, and English. And I oh, think wow. I've proven that when you have to learn four languages, you barely can speak one. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, for all, I still don't know then and then. Uh, all the errors that uh, I've made is because I was I had to learn then and then in Yiddish, Hebrew, and French. Can't believe they they teach you Yiddish like that's yeah. Uh... And and of all the languages that that I wish I had actually taken seriously, because by the time the Yiddish teacher came and she was like eighty years old, we <laughs> did such mean things to this woman. <laughs> you know, she was just some booby that was doing this. Part time, and we wanted nothing to do with her and her chubby arms, and we just were so terrible to this woman. And now I think back, it's maybe my favorite language. You know, when I was a kid in Toronto, and there was a big post World War II. That's where all the Toronto Jews came from, from Europe, pretty much. Uh-huh. And so, you know, escaping World War II, uh, one way or the other. And so, Yiddish was the language. You know, I would sit around listening to my parents. And just have these animated Yiddish discussions. And it just, it was kind of like comfort food to hear the language. Because one word, you know, the expressiveness of, Hebrew is a pretty harsh language. Yeah. Uh, it's beautiful, but harsh. But Yiddish is a beautifully kind of European, uh, softer German, uh, made up, it seems, language. Because the words were just so funny. Mm-hmm. And animated. So, but anyways, we didn't want to learn that as a kid. And I really feel like that would be a fun language to uh, bring back. But anyway, so you, do you don't know you don't know any Yiddish at all. I would know it when I'm I know Lozum I know anything that uh, came from a Mel Brooks movie. Okay. Uh, you know, Kerfuff. Like there's so many funny words. Schmendrick. <laughs> Schmendrick. The uh Knut. <laughs> yeah. Knut was a, a very famous Yiddish word. word which means uh uh chase the chase the Norwegian. That could be it. <laughs> the uh, so anyway, do you speak Yiddish? Did, Yiddish I, I do not. No, my my grandmother. I mean, my dad's side of the family 
spoke Yiddish, but it's not something that, you know, us Israelis grow up with, really. I think it's very like it belongs to like the Orthodox and, you know, obviously the older generation, but it's not. No, I mean, we know words, but it's like not in our, you know, culture. Yeah, I think it was more European. Anyway, so so back to cycling. Mm -hmm. How do you say cycling in Hebrew? Cycling in Hebrew? Or bicycle? Well, you say a bicycle is a fanaim. Fanaim. A fanaim, yeah. You should Mm -hmm. know that. I don't. Now I do. And cycling, that's that's a good question. Cycling is, I mean, you say fanaim, which is like, you know, I'm going cycling. Yeah. Yeah. It's like bikes. How do you say helmet? Kasda. Kasda. (laughs) Is this, this, are we turning this into a Hebrew class? (laughs) No. I'm just trying to avoid the main subject of this is educating people. Gotcha. So anyways, you're not a cyclist. Neve is a cyclist. So, So first of all, what is it like? Because I forgot to ask Neve this. There's a taboo in investing that you're not supposed to back husband and wife teams. Yeah. And social leverage. I heard that. Yeah. You heard it from me. Uh, I heard it from a few people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you've heard it from other people? I mean, you know, it's either you love it or you or you don't. Yeah. It goes both ways. And so how long have you been married? We've been married since 2009, which is crazy because we, we got married super young. Like we were in our, I was 21, he was 23. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It was just, you know. Were you running from the law? Had you murdered somebody? (laughs) You know, there's, there's a story behind it, but it's like, maybe it's, you know. For another podcast. Maybe, but you know, it's, yeah, we just, you know, we, we met when I think I was like 18 or 19. When he weighed 40 pounds when you met him? He was definitely a little bit lighter than he is now. (laughs) He's 80 Uh, pounds. No, right now I, I know in kilos. So in kilos, he's like sixty-four kilos. But when that? he That's was sixty-four, I think it's like one forty-eight. Yeah. No, one forty-five. Yeah, he's uh, one forty-five wet. You, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know when it was, it was something that occupied him a lot, like in his early twenties. Like obviously when he was, you know, much more riding and you know, in this whole kind of yeah, be like he also he. Yeah, he also worked in the cycling uh, industry. So, you know, even though he stopped competing professionally, but it was still his main thing. But anyway, he was more into like what he eats and how much he weights and stuff like that. But, you know, now that we're in our late 30s, it bothers us, but not as much. So we social leverage have had a great experience backing a husband and wife team. And I think I probably told you that. So when I did it, people were like, you can't do that. Where does it come from? From like a bad experience? Some other from... VC made it up because they had a bad experience, you know? But does like, it matter if it's like a husband and wife or just like two partners, like two founders? You know exactly. what I mean? The math is probably the same. Probably. The problem is you guys got to also live together. Or do you have separate rooms like Dick Van Dyke? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we can talk about relationship. Uh, no, we don't have separate rooms, but we, we, we stay at separate uh, parts of the house during the day. Sometimes when I'm on a call with you, I go, where's, it looks like he's in a separate room and then you pan the camera and he's right next to you. <laughs> That's always funny. The, uh, uh, yeah. So, so have you guys always worked together? I, I forgot to ask him that. So no, we actually, so we started our professional business partnership together in 2013. So I worked in fashion even before I met Navin and he worked in the cycling industry and we moved to, I think he talked about this, but you know, we moved to China in 2010. Mm-hmm. And then we started our first business together in 2013. 
And that's when we started, you know, working together. And so what part do you love about the cycling part? Is it just the fashion and the curation or could it be anything? What is it about this trend that excites you as a, not a full-time cyclist? So, yeah. So first of all, I always thought it's a beautiful sport. It has this very strong aesthetic. It is, you know, just everything about it is really just beautiful. You know, it's even, you could even say like sexy. I say sexy. It's like a sexy sport. Ethan, cover um, your ears. Ethan now is uh, <laughs> yeah. blushing. He's blushing. First time he's okay. heard the word. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's just a beautiful sport. It has, you know, a lot of beautiful aspects to it. And, and in general, this whole kind of category of like endurance and, you know, active wear and athleisure and lifestyle, this really speaks to me. You know, I'm not a cyclist, but I'm a runner. I'm a yogi. I'm definitely, you know, I used to dance, you know, when I was young, I did ballet and, and modern jazz. So I, I definitely come from like the space. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, I think it's an incredible space and there's a lot of opportunity. And so I remember when you first came up with endurance culture, what, tell me what that means to you, because I, li- I like that. So really endurance culture, it's a lifestyle. Uh, it's a you can say like endurance lifestyle. It's just part of your whole being. It's who you are. You know, there's basketball culture, obviously, and soccer culture and streetwear culture and luxury. And endurance is this this new, you know, thing that we are all kind of like so attracted to. You know, when you see endurance athletes, there's something really that like makes you want to, I don't know, be part of it, you know, because people are so passionate about, you know, what they're doing. And, and it also has a lot of community. You know, when I look at cyclists and how engaged this community is and how passionate it's about who they are and what they are, then that is really, as, as someone who comes from outside of the sport, you know, I look at it, I'm like, wow, like this looks, this looks like fun. These people are having a good time. They are having a good time. So when did fashion come to cycling? Because it's come to running. Right. So are we still day one of fashion and cycling? Because you know, no one looks good in cycling clothes unless they're elite athletes. So, so tell me, tell me the enigma around that. So there is, yeah, definitely. This is also, you know, something that we felt that could use an upgrade or a change or, you know, some kind of fresh air and fresh energy, you know, in the last like 10 years, really, we're experiencing the fashion aspect coming more into cycling with like brands like Rafa and ASOS and, and more and more brands kind of like popping you know, from all around the world and bringing their, you know, aesthetic and, and culture into that fashion. And, uh, you know, it's technical wear. So look at the outdoor industry for technical wear with like, you know, luxury brands like Montclair, you know, ski and and golf and, and just the whole outdoor space. And we're seeing it coming into the cycling space, uh, like I said, with brands that kind of set the first seed. So Rafa is pretty, you know, pretty much the biggest name uh, in cycling fashion. And we're seeing brands like Panormal, which is a, a Scandinavian brand. So it brings that Scandinavian aesthetic. Uh, and brands from Australia have their own thing. So it's really just like beautiful to see how more and more brands from all over the world are starting to understand that cycling is a lifestyle and fashion. So I think, you know, that's what excites me the most is like how, how we make cycling fashion. 
And so how does a, how does a brand get through to you? Like, so how do you decide? Because, you know, if you go to distance and in, mm-hmm. in, in the website is D-S-T-N-C, so it's the word distance without vowels. Right. Uh, and we spent months kind of thinking through this. And you're <laughs> the expert here. So we just, yeah, uh, we don't know if that's right or wrong, but that's what we came up with. Uh-huh. And um, how how does a brand write? How do you how does one get into your consciousness? Because you can't have every brand on the site. So how do how do you think through all that stuff? So I think we're really targeting the premium high end brands. We definitely want to offer affordable price points, but again, it's technical wear and it's very you know it's expensive fabrics that come from Italy and some of it is like handmade. So we're really just laser targeting those brands that we think are incredible and you should own and you should experience and you should try out some new things and see how it makes you feel. And, you know, like in fashion, you want to want to look and feel great and you want to be, you know, you want to just be different from the crowd. You know what I mean? Because everybody's wearing Castelli and Perlizumi and Rafa, but, you know, there's all these brands that you can try and that's what we're hoping to, you know, to bring. And is there one that stands out to you personally or, or Neve? Everybody's got their own. I, I keep changing because I'm discovering them through you. But yeah. which one has struck you as, as early on as one that, that's doing a great job? Wow. So I have a few, but I think that like, you know, Pedal Mafia, I really love their aesthetic. I think they're very also in line with our aesthetic. But the more that we are doing what we're doing, there's so many brands that everybody has their like unique style and vibe and i think that that's like what's so cool about it and so exciting about it and also they come out with like new lines and new product and new technology and it's always like changing so it's really just hard to pick one i mean i think that you know beeler for example from germany if you wear beeler you just look like a pro yeah that's something that is like you know immediately you stand out in the colors and yeah so there there's a bunch like it's hard to pick and so how do you think about it with the website then? So tell me how you're thinking about the curation. You know, one thing, you got to have the pretty much the whole brand. You can't just pick one or two items. Right. You know, so how are you communicating that with the brands and how's that resonating? So I think, you know, first of all, the goal is to really be the ultimate shopping destination, shopping platform for cycling apparel and accessories and, and like you know that you need something, you know where to go. Like this is your go-to spot. You know, I do the same with like fashion marketplaces or retailers. You know, I have a bunch that I know where to go and I know that they curate it for me and I know that they have the coolest and the newest stuff. So that's kind of like the goal for distance is just having everything you can possibly want or need in one place. And I think our main goal right now is because we have so many like product and SKUs and we're, you know, hoping also to you know, double and triple uh, with expansion of categories and stuff like that. But I think that we're really trying to help people understand what they want and what they need for specific type of ride or specific climate. So just making it easier and more accessible for them to understand, like, what are the differences between brands? What are the differences between bibs? Because I feel like, you know, this whole, like, consumers, especially in cycling and anything that is kind of like performance and technical is they they need that education or they want that education. So when they come to the site, we want to make it more accessible for them to know how do they navigate between all these different brands and different products 
And and you know, eventually, obviously, when they get the when they get the product to be just like amazed of, oh my god, I didn't know that this kind of level of you know product existed. What's the the hardest thing about this? Is is, is it the sizing, or is it the curation? That's a you know, it's a big question. What's the hardest thing? Yeah. The higher, you know, level answer or whatever is really, you know, this industry, cycling industry is, uh, is very different from the fashion industry or other maybe active wear industries like yoga, running, gym. It's a much more closed industry. They're a little bit old school in the way that they operate. So we're coming in as this, you know, new marketplace, San Francisco tech oriented, you know, all digitally native, everything is with APIs and, and, and so on. And you're coming to these more traditional brands and engaging with them and, and, and explaining to them, you know, how we work and how we operate and the opportunities and what we can do together. So I think it's just like, you know, just stepping into this industry as like an outsider and kind of wanting to change and digitalize a little bit the way that they work. Because it's it's very traditional, it's kind of old school. Um, so yeah, th- that maybe is the, the hardest part, I think. No, that makes sense because yeah. running running is already crossed that chasm. Running is everywhere. You know, if you want a running brand, you can find it probably in every retail store or any kind of online marketplace or retailer. Uh, but with cycling, again, it's still very you know there's there's the, the traditional the, ma- the major retailers that carry you know the mass market brands but international brands you know you're also dealing with different cultures and and language barriers so yeah and what surprised you most about orders so far is it is it gravel is it off bike is you know it, what? is there any category within this that has surprised you so far yeah i have to tell you that it is actually the accessories and the, you know, all the gear. So it's amazing. Like people love shoes, helmets, eyewear. Huh. Like that's a big category for us. And right now we're actually excited about getting some shoe brands on the platform. So we have a few that we love and are performing very well, but I'm excited to get some, some more brands. And what was the inspiration? Like what fashion sites were your inspiration in thinking through distance? Yeah. So always kind of looked at the biggest ones and the best ones, which I think Essence is probably like my number one. So Essence are Canadian, uh, but they do kind of uh, luxury streetwear. Hmm. Um, yeah. They're all, Ethan always- Ethan knows it. Ethan, you know it. Okay. I think everybody knows Essence, really. Mm-hmm. So they're a huge inspiration. Also, their whole editorial, they kind of invented this, you know, streetwear visual aesthetic that is really cool. There's another great one from Italy. They're not so popular here, obviously, because they're mostly European, but they're called Slam Jam. They also mm. have a great, great, great uh, visual aesthetic. Um, and what are they? Is it fashion? It's, it's, fa- they're all fashion. Yeah. They're all, yeah. but they're all very like luxury and streetwear focused. Like even, you know, even Netta Portin or Mr. Porter, they're all luxury. They sell luxury and we are selling luxury, but it's technical luxury. So it's very specific and, and like for specific type of audience. And I think there's a big difference between selling like obviously, you know, luxury online and selling technical luxury online. The models have to look like they're, you know, athletes. 
specifically in cycling, you know, you can't shoot a model that is a fashion model with cycling clothes. Like that doesn't connect, that doesn't resonate. Um, so you have to be very specific. Yeah, that's interesting. And then what about the future of cycling? Is it mostly going to be off bike? Are we thinking, you know, off bike or is there, is there, um, is there something that you think that will change, whether it's the bibs or, or the bottoms, is there anything that can change there or is it all going to have to come from off bike, like the growth? Yeah, I think the biggest change that we're going to see mostly is with gravel. Um, so the the whole kind of like, you know, what we're used to, the, the, the technical bibs and the jersey is getting this makeover uh, right. to fit more of the gravel style or type of, you know, riders. So it's definitely more loose. It's definitely more casual. Uh, we're going to see a lot of collaborations happening in the space of, uh, you know, between cycling brands, it could be cycling wear brands or bike brands with outside brands in the fashion space. Mm -hmm. So I think that's going to create really this new wave of, um, you know, more fashion forward technical wear. But I really think it's just going to get a little bit loose, a little bit easier to wear because not everybody wants to wear like the Lycras and the and the tight clothing, like even people we talk to, even some of our investors and friends, they could wear bib shorts, but they like to wear a loose tee or something like that. Right. So I think we're going to see a lot of like hybrids. Um, and like you said, there will be the all, all of the off the bike. I think like part of our uh, vision for distance is to also cater to, you know, your day to day outfits. So if you if you like these kind of if you if you're into these specific brands, we think that you'll also be into like these off bike brands. Um, so here is just like everything, every everything you want. And then, have you seen anybody come into cycling from outside cycling yet? A lot. You know, we're we're seeing a lot of new people basically asking us. Like, you know, we're getting emails to customer service saying, "I just got a bike. What is the first kit I need to own?" Like, what, where do I go? What do I do? So, yeah, definitely more and more people. And like I said, you know, like there's a lot of runners, you know, marathon runners or people that are like super into running. But obviously, they know people that are cyclists and they, they get it. So they want to come into cycling, too. So I think you'll see more people coming in from other sports and just like being influenced by their, you know, communities or friends and you just want to get a bike and you just want to like, you know, be part of that too. So definitely more and more people are coming, you know, into the sport from outside. Are there also like a brand from running that's gotten into cycling? Have oh, you seen yes. that happen yet? Yes, we have. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Yes. So we're seeing brands that are in the running space actually doing cycling wear now. The, the, the last one I've seen, there's a few, but the last one I've seen that is really great is District Vision. So District Vision is a brand I love from Los Angeles. I think the founders are Dutch, but they're living in Los Angeles and it's, it's a beautiful, great running brand. They have this whole holistic approach and they just launched their first uh, cycling line. So that, that proves what I was just saying, that there's this intersection that really you can't separate between runners and cyclists and skiers. You know, a lot of skiers are also cyclists. So, yeah. Yeah. I saw it when I went to Aspen that that one Montclair brand, I couldn't believe the prices that people will pay while they're behind goggles when no one even knows 
what the brand is. So it, it is coming to cycling. Yeah, for sure. And what's the hardest part? Like, what's the difference between starting your own fashion brand and doing it as a marketplace? Well, it's a completely different animal, I think, because, you know, a DTC brand is a DTC brand. You obviously are focused on, you know, your own brand in line. I think as a marketplace, it's really knowing how to represent all of these different brands under one rooftop, but still being your brand. You know what I mean? Like still having people think that they're buying from your brand and loving and being fans of your brand, but eventually you're selling other people's brands. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so it's just like navigating between, you know, putting your own aesthetic into something, but still keeping the core and the heart and the soul of the brand that you're carrying. But it's, and it's been done. So it's yeah. not like you're in it, like this has been done by the essence and, and all Definitely. Other- it's been done. But the difference, I think, between us and like the essences of the world is that essence and other major luxury retailers and platforms like these, they sell names that are known. You know what I mean? Like luxury right. brands, like, you know, if you're selling, if you really, if you're selling like a Alexander McQueen or, or Yves Saint Laurent or, or Marc Jacobs or, you know, they're all names that everybody knows. So for us, it's really taking a brand that is premium uh, that not everybody knows. So you also need to put more effort into brand awareness and, and just telling that brand story so people can connect and be excited about it. I think that's the big question, right, is what's exciting. But the, the risk part is, are Americans, I mean, we've seen it with Rafa, right? They'll wear Rafa. I, I was a Rafa early fan here. And then now that I see Rafa on everybody, I hate it because it just feels like, you know, Walmart, even though it, 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 it kind of is Walmart. I mean, they really have done an amazing job, like they've innovated, et cetera. But it's just not fun seeing everybody wear the same thing. Exactly. It's not so much about how much I pay. It's more that I just don't want to look like everybody else on the road. Yeah. It's like going to like a yoga class and everybody's wearing Lululemons, right? Everybody's looking the same. Everybody's wearing the same top. Everybody's wearing the same leggings. So exactly. I mean, you know, Rafa is always going to be Rafa. Yeah. I don't think they're going anywhere. I think people are like obsessed with Rafa and also the you know, just everything they did in terms of like, like community and, and, you know, and their retail stores and that whole experience where it's like a coffee shop and you have your like ride leaders and groups and, you know, Rafa's everywhere. But, you know, there's so much more out there and you can look unique with all these different brands and different uh, fits and, you know, it, it exists. You just need to know about it and it needs to be, you know, easy and fun experience for you to shop it online. So tell everybody how to best use the site. It's dstnc.com. When when they come, what should they expect? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, we're very content driven. Um, so still very early stage, but we're developing like, you know, this this whole content digital magazine that is going to focus on a lot of different areas, but a lot of it is going to be like educational content. Obviously, some of it is going to be more deep content and, you know, a lot of interviews with our ambassadors and ex-pro cyclists and and just like really giving you that full experience where you can land and not just shop for a product, but actually see and read great stuff. But I think what we're trying to do is really also curate, like I said earlier in the call, is help people find the right product without 
getting overwhelmed or confused by by so much uh, you know product and you know when you when you land on our home page we we do all these collections and categories for you so like best bibs for gravel or you know for colder mornings best jerseys for you know for all we we really try to categorize it for you and kind of help you land on that right collection where you know where you're going but also improving you know on on the actual product pages we want to give you that information that you really need so with meta fields for example like this is best for this type of temperature and this kind of ride this kind of uh level of uh, cycling so we really want you to just like first of all land on the site look at all the editorials feel the energy feel the different types of uh you know brands and and aesthetics and stuff like that but then like direct you to where you need and what you need and if you were to search before distance like how many high-end brands do you think there are that sell full cycling gear there's a lot of brands right and a lot of brands also do their main business is actually in custom uh and i think more more and more brands are coming into like their own private label because they see the opportunity and they make great product but really their focus is on custom um so i think globally there's about 100 brands more or less but i think that for us really you know the best brands in the world is like probably like 50 or 70 uh mm-hmm. but then you know then it comes down to all the sub brands or all the sub categories so it's that brands are like you know there's there's so many brands out there right but we want to like after we have all of the brands we want on the platform we're definitely going more into like nutrition and lifestyle and off the bike like you said and then also uh, you know expanding into other uh, endurance sport categories so it's endless really but i think like globally when we look at it you know there isn't as many cycling brands as running brands or yoga brands obviously Really? So how many yoga brands do you think there are over 100? Oh, yoga brands globally, I think yeah. I think we're looking at 500 and up easily. Wow. Yeah, running uh, yeah, is was, probably like I don't know, thousands. I was just in New York and and there was like a the Allo and I was I liked Allo immediately and now I hate it quickly. It's the <laughs> fastest I've ever kind of fallen out of love with the brand mainly because that Allo everywhere cheapens it for me. Uh-huh. I always liked the way Lulu hid the logo and I just okay. felt like I wasn't declaring that I was into yoga. I just yeah. liked the way the clothes looked and made me feel. And the only reason I kind of dropped out of Lulu is just just crowded and everybody's in there, but I still think they've done a great job with the brand. Whereas Allo, I liked that it was double the price and not as crowded, but now it's crowded. It's ALO over everything and yeah. I'm not I don't know, it just doesn't work was- for me. And then I go right across the street from Aloe's of Oar like these it's shameless right now so used to be they would be down the street now they're literally across from each other so it's yeah. really it's gotten crowded yeah it's gone super crowded i think that's also one of the reasons that we didn't go into the space uh, of like you know the yoga and the running and it's just a market is super crowded how do you compete with all these like big brands that are all over the place but yeah i mean same for me i was a big aloe fan back in like when they just started i think it was they probably started earlier but i i kind of like started wearing them a lot in 2014 uh, oh wow i just i got into it a year and a half ago oh, and i'm really? already over it yeah oh, i just interesting yeah. i was so, over it yeah like you said once a brand becomes kind of like a mass market brand and it's not so exclusive 
I think I also lose interest. Uh, but you know, they still have great stuff. Like I would, would always like continue to buy, you know, when I come across, but you know where I'll buy them? I'll buy them on Essence because they do the curation huh. for me. So they don't take all of the product and all of that mass market stuff that we see. They literally handpick for you. Like these are the best styles from their current collection. And that's where I go and that's where I shop. And so collabs are going to be fun for you, I would imagine. Oh, right? yeah. Super if you could do fun. one collab right now, who, oh, who should be in cycling that you You like? mean so from a brand that is outside yeah. of the cycling space? Yeah. I'd love to do a collab with uh, Montclair. Interesting. Yeah. I'm also into a collab, like this might be surprising, but uh, into a collab with Adidas because they did some cool stuff in the 90s with cycling. And I saw some kits that like Madonna was wearing in the 90s huh. uh, with the Adidas logo. And, you know, the 90s are coming in hot with everything. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's so much opportunity. Very interesting. So where do you get your inspiration from then? And is there any tricks to curating? I mean... Yeah, well, I'm always into the fashion, you know, world, whether it's like magazines, obviously social media, and I'm very involved in like the whole creative scene. I don't know what you want to call it, but, you know, I follow all these art directors and creative directors and, and agencies. So I'm always kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I see it and, and feel it all over and it kind of like inspires me all the time. There's one thing that I'm missing, though, and I think it's living in it. So I live in San Francisco uh, and not to like uh, <laughs> say bad things about San Francisco, but I don't think fashion is the strongest, no. <laughs> the strongest no. uh, in San Francisco. So, you know, mi um, I miss living in like a city like uh, New York or Shanghai or, you know, even Hong Kong. Uh, Tel Aviv is great, too obviously London, Paris. So I, I miss that, just being around the actual, you know, fashion scene. But other than that, you know, I take inspiration from my phone. <laughs> yeah, that's where we all do it. Well, you did good. That was your first podcast. Thank did, you. <laughs> uh, I think you did pretty good. Knut? Oh, great. You did great. Yeah? Okay, cool. Thank you. I appreciate it. So distance, everybody. It's it's Neve and Sharona, the uh, husband and wife co-founders. And if someone wants to get started, I, I always link to whether it's socks or a helmet or the undergarment. I think base layer. Yeah. Base layer is a great kind of, uh, you know, product that you can use for running, for cycling. If I wear base layers like with jeans and like a blazer. Right. It's just so comfy. It's warm. It like adapts to your body temperature. Um, so yes, start with something that, that is really, is a multifunction, uh, you know, used to it, but definitely if you're a cyclist or, you know, an endurance athlete, you should, you know, check distance and I'm sure that you can find some great stuff. All right. Well, thank you, Sharona. And, uh, I, uh, appreciate the time and, and it's really fun watching the site and the marketplace develop. And we'll have you guys together, husband and wife, on next time. That'd be cool. Let's do it. All righty. See you. There you have it. Broke the pod cherry. Oh, yeah. So so there you have it. It was good. She did a good job. I'm fascinated Absolutely. by e-commerce fashion. So even though it's a small startup, we, we're, we're digging in and learning a lot about how the world works here. It's time. We've had this whole DTC boom. We've seen it with Manscaped. We've had Paul on. He's probably one of the most incredible marketers that we've come across. 
And I think you'll see with Neve and Sharona that uh, creating a unique marketplace can be done very efficiently. So uh, thanks, Ira. You are listening to Panic with Friends. Knut and I sit down with founders, entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, traders, uh, people that uh, are moving and shaking, and we try and get a little bit ahead of those curves. So you can uh, go to Spotify or Apple, search my name or Panic with Friends, Howard Lindzen, and uh, you can subscribe and get one of these podcasts every Thursday. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Knut, and we'll see everybody next week. Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Social Leverage or StockTwits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.